right, so we're in the second week of our series, um, Making Change, and today we're going to talk about stress is bad, but I really want to uh, hammer these ideas in. So we're going to say all these together. You have them. Uh, I don't think I put them on your listening guide or did, yes, I did. They're on your listening guide. So you can look up here. You can read them off your listening guide. Let's say these together. Last week we talked about what? Less is more. Say that again. This week we're talking about what? Say it again. There you go. Next week we're talking about? Say it again. How come it takes y'all twice? I mean, we're, we're on the third one now, so you should figure out the pattern. So say it really well on this last one. I'll only make you say it once. Ready? What were we talking about the last week? Yes, you did it. Now, how many of you ever have ever heard someone say that um, debt makes my marriage better? Debt, D-E-B-T. I mean, right? Does everybody here agree that, that financial stress is bad? Everybody agrees? Financial stress is bad? Okay. All right. A couple of us. Um, I've never heard somebody say debt makes my marriage better. I've never heard somebody say when we were debt free, we fought about money all the time. But now that we have 30 years of payments ahead of us, money's not an issue anymore. Hadn't heard that one. Have you ever heard someone say credit card interest rates have improved my love life? You know what they say? High rates equals hot love. I haven't heard that one either. Here's what I have heard. I have heard we fight about money all the time. I have heard um, if we just had a little bit more, that's what everybody believes. If we have just a little bit more money, life would be good. I've heard people say, I'd love to go to Haiti, but I can't afford it. I have, I've heard people say, I'd love to sponsor a compassion child, but we're already spending more money than we make. Why do people say those things? It's because financial stress is bad. Everybody say stress is bad. Well, in keeping with my theme last week that I, I got you one of those great um, theological studies from Veggie Tales, I, I brought another one. This is Madam Blueberry. And in the in the video, Madam Blueberry, and by the way, if you don't have these, you need to get these. If you got little kids, they need to they need to watch these. I've got all these memorized from the from the old days. Uh but mine are on VHS, so you weren't gonna get them on DVD nowadays. But here's Madam Blueberry. Now here, the thing with Madam Blueberry is she's very, very sad because because her life isn't that great. And so all of a sudden some door to door salesman stops by. He knocks on the door and he tells her what she needs is more stuff. And if she just goes to the stuff mart, Walmart, but she calls it, they call it the stuff mart. If they just go to the stuff mart and she buys stuff, her life will be fulfilling. And so in order to convince her, um, the, the salesman, the traveling salesman brings a couple of his buddies and they do a wrap. This is called the stuff mart wrap. Most of that memorized, but it's been a while since Caleb was little. So, um, only part I can get of that is come on now. 
Bob the tomato tells her all the time, he's the voice of reason. Who knew a tomato would be the voice of reason? He says, I don't think that's true, but everybody else is telling her, buy more, buy more, buy more. Now, the problem in our country is that we buy more. We don't do it with cash. We do it with credit. And so broke is normal, right? And and whether you admit it or not, whether you want to want to say it out loud or not, you are taking your financial cues from someone. And the scary thing is most of us are taking financial cues from people who are not where we want to be. They haven't been where we want to go. They are not where we want to be. They're, they're many times they're worse off than we are. And we're taking financial cues from them. And so that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if, if you, if everyone you know is broke or in debt and you do what they do, where will that lead you to debt flat broke? Yes. Now we're taking our cues from someone. And, and so I believe that every person is trying to get some place that they hadn't been before. So, so, so if you're single, never been married, you want to have a happy marriage for the rest of your life, but you've never been married. So you don't know what marriage requires to, to have a happy, healthy marriage. I believe almost, I, I believe everybody here wants to have enough money in retirement that you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. But, but very few, I don't know of anybody here who's been retired. So how do you know how to get there? The point is we're following someone's cues and I'm amazed at how often we take our cues from people who've never been where we want to be. And that just seems foolish. One of the most critical decisions you can make is whose roadmap are you going to follow? Um, each week we open up God's roadmap and many times people get really upset with God for what he says on his roadmap. But I need to tell you, God's roadmap is never wrong. He's been steering people the right direction in finances and in, in business and in, in child rearing and marriage in all these years. He's been steering people in the right direction for thousands and thousands of years. And so what we want to do is look at God's roadmap to figure out where we want to go. And, and there's some interesting things in the book of uh, Proverbs that Solomon tells us about um, getting where we want to go. And I'm just going to read several of these to you real quickly. Um, first is Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will always acquire. What are those last two words? A wise man will acquire what? Wise counsel. You're going to hear that theme over and over. Uh, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Next one. Through insolence or um, uh, impatience or through pride, through insolence comes nothing but strife, or we could put stress in there, but the in, uh, NASB says strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel, not just listen to it, you receive it. Um, Proverbs 19.20. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. So here's what Solomon is telling us. Wise people listen and prosper. Fools don't. And don't wise people listen to counsel and prosper fools don't and they don't prosper. Now in this series, I'm going to challenge you to look at God's roadmap before you make financial decisions. And God's roadmap says that wisdom involves stopping and asking for directions from someone who has been where you want to go. Does that make sense? If that makes sense. Say yes. All right. Thank you. So today we're going to, we're going to take some examples from people that I've been studying and, and, and I've, I've watched for years and listened to for years. And we're going to try to figure out from people who are not under financial stress, how to get out of debt. So in order, in other words, they are where we want to be. 
Now, let me just give you an example. Um, I actually heard, I read about a guy who spent a lot more money, but I brought it down to a little bit more realistic for us, but you may be on either side of this number. Let's say just for fun that you decide you want to buy a brand new Ford F-150. I Googled it the other day and, and just without putting on any options or whatever, I came up with a brand new 2017, the next year model of an F-150, $34,165. Now, if you get the best interest rate, you're going to have to have immaculate credit. So most of us wouldn't get that interest rate, but let's say you get the best interest rate. It's around 3% and I'm just rounding for, for ease of, of, uh, calculating and, and you're going to pay for this for, for seven years, 84 months. Now you'll pay $451 and 43 cents. So you'll pay a total of interest with the 34,165, you'll pay $38,000 for that truck that's, that the manufacturer says or that the dealer says is worth 34,168. All right. Now, when you drive it off the parking lot, the moment it hits the street in your name, it loses 11% of its value. Before you ever get home, it's lost 11%. So that $34,000 truck, as you drive it off the parking lot, is now worth $30,000. How much are you going to pay total over seven years? $38,000. All right. So the moment you drive off, you've lost eight grand over the total. But let's say you pay it off. You're going to be faithful and you're going to pay it off. If you just take normal, these are just, these are things you can find anywhere on, on the internet and you can plug in numbers and you can figure out depreciation. This is normal depreciation. This is not Rex. This is not having to do all those extra repairs. This is just normal wear and tear, normal depreciation. How much do you think this, this truck is going to be worth when you pay it off in seven years? Someone, somebody said 20. Did you look on my thing? You just guessed $10,000. All right. So you paid how much total? $38,000. How much is it worth today? Now, I don't know where you went to school, but does that sound like a roadmap that will lead you to financial bliss or financial stress? You paid $38,000 for something that is now worth $10,000. And that just, that math doesn't add up to me. Now, this is a really difficult subject because every one of us here has made mistakes in this area. Um, Janie and I, before we decided to get out of debt several years ago, we actually paid for that. Tell me how smart this is. We continued to make payments for a truck that we didn't own for three years. Because when we sold it, we didn't make near enough money to pay it off. Dave Ramsey calls that stupid tax. And he says, every one of us have paid stupid tax. Stupid tax is when I'm paying for something I no longer own. Now, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The Bible says when you owe somebody money, you're actually in bondage to them. And and the Bible says that Christ sets us free. So we don't want to be, I don't want you as your pastor to be in bondage to anybody. So I want to give you some principles and, and I want you to have an open mind and an open heart about this. This comes from God's word. This is God's counsel. If God convicts you, then do something about it. Because I'm going to tell you something. God didn't lead you into financial bondage, but he will lead you out. He didn't lead you in. He will lead you out. Now, I want you just to use your imagination for a minute. Let's imagine that what it would be like to be free, completely free from financial stress. Let's imagine that if something breaks, all you have to do is pay cash for it. You have the cash and you pay for it. Would that reduce the stress in your families? If you had cash to pay for some repair you needed, yes or no? 
Yes, thank you. And and this this happened to us when we did this first financial peace university that we did here at the church um, back in 2008, I think it was. Um, we decided we were going to get out of debt, and we started this little envelope system. We started putting money in there. One of the envelopes we had was car repair because we had some ancient cars, and we knew they were going to need repairs. Now, today I would never do this, but back then um, I had eighteen hundred dollars worth of repairs on my car. That I have I have uh, wiser car repair people now. Is reason I wouldn't make that kind of uh, payment, but we had $1,800 on a car, our primary car that we had to pay. Janie freaked out. And so I said, Hey babe, we started uh, about two years ago. We started putting stuff or, or a year ago. I don't remember what it was. We started putting stuff in the envelope. I said, how much is in the car repair envelope? She said, I don't know. So I went in there, I counted out $1,500 in the car repair envelope. Our bill is $1,800. And so I said, uh, I, I kind of smiled and I walked out and I said, um, how much is in our emergency fund? Because we just started the FPU and they teach you to get $1,000 in your emergency fund. And she said $1,000. And so I walked over and I took $300 out of our emergency fund. So we still had 700 there. And I counted out $1,800. I laid it on the, the tabletop and I said, there's the money for our repairs. And I watched the financial stress drain out of my wife. I said, this stuff works. She said, yes, it does. And we've lived like that since. So I want you to imagine what it would be like to have the money to repair a car or repair your house or whatever it is. I want you to imagine um, that that if you want something like a, a new furniture uh, set for your living room, that you pay cash for it. Janie did the same thing for about three years. She just started putting money aside. I didn't even know she was doing it. This was out of her own pocket. She's putting money aside. And one day she calls me up. She says, hey, I found a new couch and chair and even a chair for you, a rocker recliner, because that's all I sit in. I don't sit anywhere else, and that's my chair. And she said, I've even got... She said, I found it. And I'm like, well, how are you going to pay for it? I did not know. She was putting money in another envelope. She said, I've got almost $2,000. I said, well, how much is it? She said, 1700. I said, buy it. I don't have any issues with that. If you got the cash to pay for it, right? So that I want you to imagine that you have the cash to pay for something. I want you to imagine that if you know somebody in need, not only do you have enough money for your family, but you can help your friend in need. Would that be stressful if you could help somebody out who needed some cash? No, not at all. I want you to imagine that you've got so much cash that the only, and, and you've got a week of vacation that your only problem is you've got too many options. You can't decide, am I going to the mountains? Am I going to the beach? Would that be stressful if you've got the cash to pay for your vacation before you go on the vacation? No, y'all are laughing like it's not possible. It is possible. There's a very practical aspect to being debt-free, and that's no financial stress. But there's also a spiritual aspect, and I want you to see what Jesus says about money. It's in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus is saying, if you can't handle a little, I'm not going to give you a lot. He's saying, if you're dishonest with a little, you're going to be dishonest with a lot. He's saying, the way you handle money reveals what you really believe about God. And so I want you to, to be more devoted to God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you three short prayers today that if you'll begin praying them, not just once and, and leaving them alone, but you're going to have, some of you have to pray these over and over again. And so I want to teach you these prayers and it will, it will help you be a more devoted, uh, trustworthy person with your finances. Number one prayer. First prayer is God, give me self-control, self-control. Not wife control, not children control, not parental control, self-control. Everybody say self-control. Why is this important? Let me show you what it says in Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks what? What are those two words? 
hyphenated word, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. If you're a city back in that day, if you were a city without protective walls, you know what you were? A target. You were about to be a victim for people who would come and overpower you. Your enemy was going to come in through the broken down walls and destroy you. If you're a person who lacks self-control, you know what you are? You're a target. You're about to be a victim. Your enemy is going to come and overwhelm you financially because you have no self-control. And without self-control, you're actually, you're not fighting the enemy of God. You're actually fighting God. How do I know that? Because a fruit of the spirit, if you just want to jot this down and look at it later, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When I exhibit self-control, it means that the Holy Spirit is producing fruit in my life. That means there's also an unholy spirit, not of God. And when I do not show self-control, then I'm, I'm actually following the unholy spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you have ever seen in the grocery store, you've been either going down the aisles. Sometimes I've seen it. I can hear it for aisles and aisles away at Stuff Mart. I mean, Walmart. And, and I'll hear a kid just going nuts. I want that. Y'all ever seen that or heard it? You ever been at the counter when, when the kid goes, I want that. I want it now. That is not of the Holy Spirit. You're saying my kid's demon possessed? No, but, but it, I'm just saying that, that there's a little kid right there that, that needs to be disciplined. The crazy thing though is I've seen it in some of my adult friends, that same kid in my friend, not their children in my adult friend. I want it now, whatever it is, I want it now. And that little kid needs to be locked up and disciplined. If you have to pray it like this, you pray, God, please help me control that kid that's in me that wants what I want now. And if you have a spouse or if you have a a child or even a good friend who had that little kid comes out all the time and they they don't have self-control when it comes to finances, I give you permission to walk up to them with your palm real close, not, not real far, but real close, about an inch away and say, demon be gone. Smack them. You're going to try that. You better believe if I see you, I'm going to try that. Travis. Ladies, you may need to pray this. And I know I'm meddling. I'm just going to be, I'm going to meddle for a couple of seconds here. All right. You may need to pray this when you walk by a sale rack, you know, it's on sale and you know, it grabs you and they buy it. Quit looking. I'm about to get to you, Justin. You know, you walk by and you buy it. Then you go home and try to justify to someone else how much money you save by spending money. I got the bracelet. Now I need the outfit to match. Now, here's the deal. Typically, not not all the time, but typically women tend to nickel and dime themselves into the poor house. It's just, it's just the way things are typically. Some of you are not like that. That's okay. Guys, there's no nickel and diming with you. I bought a boat and then I needed a truck. Now we need a lake house. We do it all at once. Right? God, give me self-control. Guys, our toys are much... Ladies, right? Guys, toys tend to be much bigger and louder and more expensive than your toy. Yeah, I know. Janie, I want a boat. No. Actually, I have a boat that doesn't run, hadn't run for years. God, give me self-control. You got to get that little kid under control. In order to do that, you've got to learn to, to say a word that most of us consider offensive. No. I want everybody just to say that word, no. You're going to have to tell yourself no. You may have to tell your children no. 
I am not giving you permission right now to tell your spouse no unless y'all are, are on the same page financially, all right? I'm not trying to start any fights. You go through FPU and you agree, then you can tell each other no, but not until then. So I want you to say it again. Say the word no. Some of you, this is all you're going to need is you learn to say this word. You may need to say it a hundred times right now. You may need to say it a hundred times as you go to your car. You may need to drive home and say it a hundred more times till you get good at saying no. We're going to say no for a little while. Here's the deal. Here's the key. We're going to say no for a little while so that we can say yes later in life. No now so that we can say yes later. All right. So ladies, maybe you like to get your, your nails done. I don't know. I'm meddling some more. And some of you like to get your nails done, um, once a week, but let me tell you something, ladies, you are only get your nails done for other ladies. Cause guys don't care. Never once in my life have I, have I heard a guy say, did you see the nails on that babe? Man, I can't wait to get me some of those nails. Do you think they're real or they fake? No, never heard that. Guys, um, <laughs> whatever it is that you want to do that wastes money that you want to do two or three times a week, fishing, golfing, I don't know what it is. Maybe, yeah, uh-huh, I hear you. You're whining back there. It means I'm striking a chord with Travis Ashley back there. Whatever it is, you say no for a while so that you can say yes later. See, when you get out of debt and you get all of this stuff that, that Dave Ramsey is going to teach you in place, get your nails fixed once a week. I don't care. But don't do it while you're in debt. We say no for a little while so we can say yes later. Here's what Dave says, how he says it. If you live like no one else, then one day you can live and give like no one else. So when we decided to get serious about it, we didn't eat out. If we ate out, it was only if we had a a buy one, get one free thing. We never, to this day, our kids, if we go out to eat, our kids will say, Dad, can I have a soda? And it really depends on, on how tight I feel that day. Cause there's something, no, heck no, it's too much to get us. You drink water. We drank water for years. My teenage kids, my adult kids will say to me, dad, can I have a soda with lunch? Depends on how generous I feel that day. Right? Cause it's just dumb. I mean, you think it's, we never had dessert. We never had appetizers. They would say, how much could I spend? When Caleb started getting enough money, he would say, dad, what's my spending? You know, so I would calculate how much each child could have. And they'd say, if I pay extra, can I get it? Only if you pay extra sucker. And so he would, he'd give me money. And then I'd say, all right, you can do that. There were times, there was, there was a long time. We never bought new clothes. My, my, uh, budget in my little envelope for new clothes was $12 50 cents a month for years. How much can you buy for 12 50? Not much unless you go to Goodwill. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not making this up. People would give us stuff when our kids were little. Friends of ours whose kids would be a little bit older would give us stuff. Thousands of dollars worth of stuff. It blew me away. And we would turn around and do that for other people. It's amazing what happens whenever you start following God. Now, everybody say, God, give me self-control. So we're going to say no now so we can say yes later. Second prayer. God, give me understanding. Everybody say understanding. Now, so many people don't understand how debt works against you. Finances work against you. And in Hosea 4, 6, it actually says this. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. A lot of God's people don't understand how debt works against you. So I'm about to show you. See, normal people ask two questions when they go to buy a new car, when they go buy something, they ask two questions, normal people. And by the way, normal people are broke. All right. Just keep that in mind. Normal people ask how much down and how much per month. If normal's broke, I don't want to be normal. I want to be weird. 
I want to be financially debt free. I want to be stress free. So a weird person, a person who follows after God will ask, how much does this really cost? Let me give you an example, just from credit card debt. Now, this is crazy. From the, from when we first started FPU, back then, the average credit card debt that Americans had was $8,000. It's now doubled in less than 10 years to $16,000 the average person has. Now, I just went again. I got a financial calculator. Um, went, I think it was bank rate, and then I com- compared a couple of them. So the average debt is $16,000. And I heard a guy talk on this a while back, and he actually plugged in $250 because you could do that at that time. I plugged in... $16,000 and the average rate of a credit card that you're going to pay on debt is 19%. If you have immaculate credit, 15.6%. If you really suck, it's 25%. So I just put 19. Don't put all those up there yet. You're confusing people. So $16,000, all right, is, is how much? And if you, if you pay $250 a month on that $16,000 at 19%, you will never, ever pay it off. That's actually what the credit card company wants is for you to never, ever pay it off. So I, I bumped it up to $300 and at $300, it took, uh, how many months? I forgot. I put that back there somewhere. I think it was, uh, 80, no, it was 118 months. So almost 10 years to pay off if you pay $300 a month. And then, uh, thanks Travis. You already showed them the interest. You know how much interest you would pay on that over 10 years? Put it up there. You'll pay more in interest than you paid for the stuff. And here's my guarantee. After 10 years, you won't even remember what you paid for. Right? And it sure won't be working. You go buy a TV, you go buy a stereo, you go buy something. This is called consumer debt. It's, it's, it's foolish to pay for things with credit that depreciate in value. So the Bible, that's why the Bible says that the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Now, um, let's, let's do the other side of this. Let's say that you took that $16,000, you invested it and you got 12% return on your investment and you didn't touch it for 40 years. You know how much money you'd have after 40 years? $1.5 million. 16,000. And some of you are going, oh man, well, there's no way I could get $16,000. Some of you spend five bucks a day on coffee or something else. If you, if you take that $5 a day and and you just put it away, you're going to get about $1,800 a year. You do that for 10 years, $18,000. Then you put it in. So then you just get 30 years worth of interest. The thing is compound interest works for you. It's amazing. Now let's say that you took that $16,000 and all you added to it was the $250 you were going to pay earlier, which wouldn't even have paid off your credit card debt. After 40 years at 12% interest, you'll have $4 million. Would that change your life? Would that change your children's lives? Yes. We have no patience we have no self-control. We want it now. And so we go into debt for it. I'm, I'm not a financial expert, but the scripture said, blessed is the man who blesses his children's children. I, I want to set my finances up so that my grandchildren are blessed when I'm dead and gone. I think that's what scripture teaches us, but you can't do it if you lack self-control, if you lack understanding. So I'm not an expert. I've learned from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey made a million dollars, lost a million dollars, then figured out how to do money God's way. And he now teaches people how to do money God's way. And one of my favorite stories from, from FPU 
Dave, he doesn't tell the name of this guy and this guy didn't know Dave was going to share it, but he said that this guy who's been living it for years and is just very wealthy because he lives right. He loves to go to a, a restaurant on Thanksgiving day and on Christmas day, because he said the people who work on Thanksgiving day and Christmas day have to work. They don't have a choice. So he goes and he orders just a very modest meal. And this guy always carries somewhere between eight and 10, $100 bills in his pocket. And so he'll go and he'll have a meal and he'll talk to the waitress a little bit about what's going on in her life, you know. And then when he gets ready to leave, he'll pull out five $100 bills and lay it down for the tip. And then he goes and he sits in his car and he waits until she picks it up. He said, it's the most fun I've ever had in my life, blessing other people with what God has blessed me with. I don't know about you, but that sounds like fun. And if I'm going to get there, I've got to get on the right path. I got to have self-control. I got to understand how finances work. So I want to be one of those type of people. You can keep going your direction or you can decide to go God's direction. Um, I think that some of you probably need to go through Financial Peace University. When we, when we come back in the, in January, we're going to offer FPU on Sunday night. We're going to offer a marriage, um, small group on Sunday night. And then if you want to go deeper and you just want to understand how to hear from God, we're going to offer a series called Experiencing God. And, and those are our small groups that we're going to have for the several weeks in, in January. So some of you need to get in, involved in that. Okay. So say, give me self-control. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. Third one is God, give me a plan. Everybody say plan. Look what Proverbs 21, five says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to uh, poverty, poverty, property. The right plan leads you to wealth. This is what scripture says. What does haste mean? Well, it's actually a Greek or Hebrew term. That means I was sad and went shopping. Not really. I'm kidding. But that's what we do. We, we do impulse buying. Impulse buying gets us in trouble. It's why all that stuff is at the, at the checkout line at Walmart. They want you to go, Oh, I need that and pay way more than you need. What it means, haste means buying things without consulting a plan. Now, don't miss this. Do not miss this. This is what I want you to take out of here. You can wander into debt, but you can never wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt. You can't stumble out of debt. You can mistake your way into debt, but you cannot mistake your way out of debt. That's why we need a plan. And and what the scripture teaches is that every financial decision you make is a spiritual decision because money is a test to see where your heart is. In Financial Peace University, first thing you're going to do is get a thousand dollars in in your emergency fund. Then you're going to start paying off debt, and and eventually there's there's seven baby steps. Eventually, you're going to get three to six months living expenses in your emergency fund. Not just a thousand dollars, but let's say you make three thousand dollars a month. That's what you bring in, or that's what you pay out. You're going to have nine to eighteen thousand dollars in your emergency fund. That's not what you pay everything else out of. If you had $18,000 just in an emergency fund, would that reduce the stress in your life? Dave's going to teach you that if you'll follow the steps. The problem is it takes a long time to get there and we don't have the patience to do it. Now, let me just say this. Your problem is not the size of your income. And somebody goes, yes, it is. No. Your problem is always what you do with what you get. If you can't manage $100 a month, you can't manage $10,000 a month. That's on your little thing there, Travis. And some of you say, I'd like to try. Do you know that, that very many of the people who win the lottery completely blow it within five years? You want to know why? 
they don't know how to manage what they have. If you can't, the Bible says, if you can't be trusted with a hundred dollars a month, you sure can't be trusted with $10,000 a month. We need to teach our kids this. So we're going to say no for a little bit. So we can say yes later. God, give us self-control. God, give us understanding. God, give us a plan. And when we start to do what, what God says is right, he's going to bless us. Here's what Jesus said, uh, about the kingdom. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The number one priority in your life needs to be God. When, when he is, your marriage will be better. Your parenting style will be better. Your business will be better. Your church will be better. Your finances will be better. The real issue is God's not number one. We're not seeking his kingdom more than anything else. So this is where we're going in this series. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. Would you bow your heads for a moment? God, you blessed us with gifts. You blessed us with income. You blessed us with resources. And if we're real honest today, we have to admit they do not belong to us. They're from you. So God, it's my prayer that we'll be a people who will honor you with our finances. We'll honor you with our lives, not just with our lips. You're a redeeming God. We thank you that you forgive us for making bad financial decisions, for not consulting you. Help us to learn self-control and understanding and, and Lord, give us a plan. Now with your heads bowed, I just want to ask how many of you kind of convicted today that you've been going the wrong path financially? Would you raise your hands? All right. Several of you. I want all of us, whether you raised your hands or not, I want all of us to pray this out loud just to give encouragement. Say it after I say it, God, give me a plan. I want to honor you and trust you. I believe that everything belongs to you. So I'm going to honor you first. Help me to be faithful with a little so that you can trust me with more. Father, that's the prayer of our church today. We pray that you would bring that into a reality so that first of all, we honor you, but then we bless this community. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.